Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. School of Humans. We are on our way to the Little Rock Police Substation, and we are going to meet with Bruce Maxwell, who is now the detective on Ebby's case. I I think I don't expect a lot from this. I, I feel like this meeting. Um, first of all, Bruce Maxwell never called me back. My honest my honest impression is that after Lori called the chief and made some calls. Um, they all hung up the phone and went in there and said, can you just do this as a favor so this woman doesn't go to the news? That's actually what I feel like happened. Um, but we'll see how it goes. I'll keep an open mind. How are you feeling, Mike? <laughs> I feel, um, I feel not hopeful about them sharing information, but I think it will be important to to ask them the questions that we're going to ask just to get the reaction from them and also to press them and make them understand that we know more than what they think we know. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone.
Mike, our producer Gabby, and I are at the LRPD station. We're waiting to see Bruce Maxwell, the new detective on Ebby's case. He agreed to meet with us, but he said we can't record him. He's made it clear that he does not want to be in this podcast. He told us that he took the case over about a month ago, but he says he hasn't really done anything yet because he's had COVID. During the meeting, Bruce expressed some frustration at the massive amount of data that he's had to go through. The only thing he would say is that anything after the 26th of October is BS. He wouldn't really elaborate, but he said, I will tell you that, and you figure out why I think that, and we'll let you know. Welcome to Arkansas. Like, I, so it was interesting because as so many meetings with the police do here, it starts with them telling you they can't tell you anything and then ends with them telling you things. So here's what I got. Bruce got the case September of this year. Bruce caught COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, He had nothing to say about the case in the beginning. Said it would be irresponsible to discuss in the beginning. Right. He did specifically say that anything after the 26th was bullshit. bullshit. I proceeded to ask him about cell phone tower data. Uh, He said at first that they had it all, but then he said, well, he really wasn't sure what I thought was interesting, though, is that, like like a lot of people, he seems to just sort of stick with that line of the FBI has already done everything. But then it kind of goes to, well, I'm pretty sure they've done everything. So it's like, if you actually don't know something's been done, why wouldn't you... <laughs> right. Right. It's just... It's this sort of just, well, it's been done. It's almost more important to insist that the box has been ticked rather than, like, check and see if it's actually been done. It's, it's weird. He also said he's currently starting from scratch. So it is December 8th today. He's not going to look at any of the notes. He's going to do all his cell tower data, which will take, for one person, that could take him three to six more months for one person to do it individually if you're not doing that every day because he has other casework and received phone calls about other cases that's going on, you know, while while he's in there. So he's not dedicating a team to this at all. He's taking all of this on him himself. I, I think we're just going to have to do it ourselves. But it was important to go in there. I would say it's not adversarial. Like, at least he, you know... No, he was very friendly. He was friendly and polite. And I told you what I said. We're going to go in there, and it's going to be like... I guarantee you it's going to be that kind of thing where it's like, well, I better do this just to, you know, yesterday there was a conversation that took place between the chief and him. And he was like, I'm getting calls from Lori. So can you just sit down with them and just, you know, and and that's exactly what happened. So that's my interpretation of what just took place. So the whole time that I've been investigating Ebby's death, one issue we have is that the police have this timeline information but we don't know what that information is. But what was conveyed to us by the LRPD and by former Detective Tommy Hudson is that the police do know Ebby's whereabouts through Sunday, and they know who she was with. We have found those people that were with her after the 
Friday night incident. I can track her all the way to early Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon when she talked to Trevor, which was the last person she talked to. And, you know, these guys that I talked to overnight, I mean, they are some shady guys. According to Laurie and Ebby's stepdad, Michael, the police have told them multiple times that they knew where Ebby was on Saturday night. They've said she was, quote, safe, unharmed, and with friends. And Tommy kept saying she never met a stranger. She didn't meet a stranger. If she met one person for five minutes, she was meeting that person again, you know, several hours later again, especially if they're going to, you know, do drugs or something like that. I mean, she was very transient. She didn't know a stranger. And I'm not trying to say she was making poor decisions because she's a teenage girl. I mean, a teenage boys make poor decisions sometimes. But, you know, I, I don't think she was ever apprehensive of who she met or anything like that. And, you know, didn't know there's people out there that could hurt you or do, do bad things. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying these are the guys that did it, but it's just these guys have been and some of the guys are still on my radar as of today. This whole time... We've had no idea what was happening with Ebby, from Saturday when she was with her grandparents to Sunday when she had that phone call with Trevor. But now we know that she was in contact with at least one more person. His name is Eric. Hello? How you doing? Oh, hey, Eric. Thanks for calling back. Eric went to Central High School. He was on the football team. And everyone I talked to says that Eric is a nice guy. He was someone who adored Ebby. Laurie said that she believed Eric was totally in love with her daughter and devoted to her. I don't know if I ever told her I loved her or got the chance to tell her, you know, but, like, I had love her. We knew we liked each other, and that's why we, like, told each other, like, I'm always be there for you. Like, we had been through a lot already together, so we were just, you know, had understanding. Like, we'd get mad at each other, but, you know, we still cared about each other. We still wanted each other to be okay. Eric and Ebby met shortly after Ebby started at Central High School in August 2015. They had a pre-calculus class together. Eric said he was good at math and he would help Ebby with her homework. At first, he says, they started hanging out through friends in a group that included his sister, a girl named Carly, and another girl named Mary. Eric had just come out of a long relationship, and at one point, Ebby had been dating his cousin. But soon, Ebby and Eric started hanging out one-on-one. Ebby had texted me about something I can't remember, but then she ended up coming over and we ended up going and smoking. I just remember that being like one of the first real times we hung out without, you know, everybody because I wasn't really thinking about relationships at that time. That was like right in the middle of football season, so it actually did kind of just come naturally. And then you guys were, I mean, were you just kind of hanging out or were you boyfriend, girlfriend or... So we, like, when we first started talking, we, you know, were trying to make it that, but we were both, I don't know, we both, like, were still talking to other people. But what happened was the real reason why we never really started dating. Like, Ebby, like I said, Ebby was, you know, free spirit, so she would just do anything, go hang out, you know, with anybody. When I was talking to Eric, he also told me about Chalamont Park. This whole time, no one has been able to tell me why Ebby was at that park specifically. Eric said that Ebby loved hanging out in Chalamont Park. In fact, he said she considered it her happy place. He has memories of going there with her, pushing her on the carousel, and hanging out in the little playground area. 
Eric said that high school kids would sometimes hang out in that park. They would kick back, have a few drinks, or maybe do drugs, or hook up. It was considered a safe place, somewhere where you could have some privacy. You said that when y'all were hanging out, I mean, people would, like, hang out and drink and things like that, but you never saw anyone, like, in the manhole doing stuff. No, never. Like, that's not even something that I, like, it was disgusting. It's not something that, you know, people want to do. Eric also said that he knew Ebby did hang out there with other people. People he didn't know, and people, he says, that sometimes did drugs with her. You know, I wish I would have talked to her more about it in that sense, because then I maybe would know, you know, some names to give. Yeah. But I, like, would, I wouldn't want to know who she was, you know, who else of course. she was. But we were telling Abby, like, you can't keep hanging out with, you know, random people. She was just way, she wasn't as cautious as she should have been, but you shouldn't even live, like, cautiously, so I can't even necessarily blame her. And during this time, Eric saw Abby doing increasingly risky behavior. Like, one time, he said she wanted to get a tattoo, but she wasn't going to a tattoo shop. And this was one of the only times she ever asked me to go somewhere, like, actually go somewhere with her. Like, usually it's just to hang out, oh, let's find something to do. I think it was because, like, the way that it was set up, like, it literally was a dude, he was chilling on the couch when we walked in his house, and then there was an AK-47 on the table. And that's the whole time I told her, I was like, you don't need to be in places like that. And then we go to the back room or whatever, and this dude that looked like he probably was on crack 10 years ago, with a janky tattoo needle is in there doing tattoos. Eric was on the football team, so he was friends with C and with L. They weren't people who, to his knowledge, were caught up in violence or in drugs. He did say they might smoke some pot or drink. Basically, he described them as pretty much normal high school kids. The week before the party, Eric and Ebby weren't really talking. Eric said that one of their friends lied to Ebby about Eric hooking up with someone else. So the two of them seemed to try to get back at each other. Eric thinks that that's part of the reason why Ebby went to hang out with CNL that night. But after the party, Eric got a DM from Ebby. She DM'd me saying that something had happened or whatever, and I'm pretty sure in that DM that she said, you know, she was raped or sexually assaulted. And I think I was asking her questions, but she didn't really want to talk about it. And I, that's when I said, just come over. You know, like, she was stressed out. She was very distraught. Eric comforted her. But at this point, he didn't know where she had been or who she'd been with. She slept in Eric's sister's bed. They had breakfast together in the morning. And then he says that he believes she was determined to talk to her family and possibly go to the police about the alleged sexual assault. He says he can't remember if they sent any more texts on Saturday. But according to what we have from police, Ebby sent Eric an Instagram message on Saturday night at around 6.45 p.m. And in that message, she said she was still at Moppy's house. Moppy was Ebby's nickname for her grandmother. And Detective Bruce Maxwell said in an email to Laurie that Ebby had had no contact with anyone from Saturday evening when she sent the DMs to Eric until Sunday when she called Trevor. But Eric tells us that is not true. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, it's Catherine. As you know from Hell and Gone, crime can happen to anyone at any time. When it comes to home security, your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Obviously, we cannot control everything that happens out there in the world, but when I'm in my own home, I feel very reassured by the fact that 
I have a home security system. And Simply Safe is affordable, easy to use, and crucially, it's easy to get started with and then build on later as you need more functionality. They have a huge variety of indoor and outdoor cameras. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day with no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Gone. That's simplysafe.com slash Gone. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. On Sunday, Eric got a call from Ebby's brother, Trevor. Trevor told him that they couldn't find Ebby, and he asked if he'd seen her. I lived in a high-rise condo, so like we had cameras in there. When her brother called me, I was in the lobby. When he called me, like I kind of froze, like I never moved until I, until I actually talked to her. This means that Eric also talked to Ebby on Sunday. He can't remember if she called him back or if he finally got through to her but he does remember what happened after she picked up. It's something that has haunted him for years. Do you remember the very last time you talked to her on Sunday? It was 
either right before, I'm almost positive that's right before she talked to her brother. And what did she say? What was she like then? She wasn't really getting an answer. I was trying to see where she was, but she didn't tell me anything that like, could actually help. She said, I'm sorry, a couple of times. It was weird. Like, it, I never heard her voice sound like that. Like I said, like, you know, she would go crazy places, but like, I never seen her scared, you know? Like, I've even heard her cry, but like, that was a different, like, just, it was scary. Abby sounded totally out of it, like she had been roofied. Eric said that in the past, he had seen Ebby smoke pot or maybe do some party drugs sometimes, like Molly or Coke, but never meth or heroin. He said that he had no idea what would make her sound like this. The way she sounded, like she sounded exhausted. She sounded like out of it. She sounded like incoherent. Like she didn't really, like she might not have, like she knew where she was, but she couldn't, either she knew where she was and she couldn't like explain it or she just like, was so out of it that she didn't even, she might not even know where she was at that point. Like, she was just, like, that far gone. Eric was focused, he says, on putting Ebby in touch with her brother. Like, I knew something was wrong, but I thought it was going to be, a, oh, Ebby's going to have to go to rehab, you know? Once Ebby was in touch with Trevor, Eric said he kind of relaxed. At this point, he thought Abby would get the help she needed. She's at a low right now. She needs, you know, actual help. She needs somebody that's going to be able to take her to somewhere where she can, you know, get the help she needs. You know, it's the same like that's happened before. Like, Abby has come to me, you me stressed out, you need to get in contact with her family because, you know, her phones don't work. So Eric just mentioned that her phones don't work sometimes. That's phones, plural. Laurie also forwarded me a photo of some stuff from the front seat of Ebby's car. It's blurry, but it looks like a receipt for a straight-talk phone number. All of the records we have are from Ebby's primary phone, the one her parents paid for. Could Ebby have had a second phone? And was it ever found? I talk a lot about victimology, trying to get inside a victim's head. On Saturday, October 24th, the day after the party, Ebby sent that text to her friend, Gage, to say that she had been recorded without her consent. She ended that text with the line, I'm going to go kill myself. So we do have to consider the possibility that she may have been in a suicidal state of mind. According to Eric, Ebby was upset about what had been happening in her life, all the chaos, and about what happened to her on Friday night. You don't think she would have had suicidal thoughts or anything like that? I mean, honestly, like, I'm not going to, you know, put it past her just because of the way life was going. Like, me and her weren't the best. Her mom and her mom and stepdad, you know, she felt like they didn't want her. Everything that was going on at school and then after the video situation and her probably feeling like the police weren't going to do nothing. I mean, I'm not saying that she wouldn't have been suicidal. Like, that's enough to make anybody, you know, have thoughts. But I don't think that's the type of person Abby was. Like, she was a fighter for sure. Like, and that's the whole reason she didn't go back home because she felt like she could do it on her own, you know? Yeah. Even if she was, let's say, she, I, I don't believe she did have suicidal thoughts that day, but even if she did, what, how does that explain her being in a pipe? It doesn't. That's... Uh, that's where the disconnect is. That's why I'm almost positive that it wasn't just her by herself. Looking at Ebby's movements on Saturday and into Sunday, 
nothing there indicates a person who's contemplating suicide. Later that Saturday afternoon, after Ebby had sent that text to Gage, Ebby's despair had turned to anger. She Googled sexual assault and how to file a police report. Her phone records show that she dialed the Little Rock Police Department. And her close friends and family say they didn't see anything off about her behavior. Ebby went to Danielle's house at some point, And Danielle has said that she didn't seem to be in distress. And we also know her grandparents didn't see anything out of the ordinary with her behavior. And even into Sunday, when she talked to Trevor, she was not expressing any kind of suicidal thoughts. She was asking for help. We'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If you're a smoker looking for an alternative to traditional tobacco, you might feel uncertain at the thought of changing things up. Maybe you're ready to make a switch, but don't know where to start. Maybe you've tried vaping, thought it wasn't your thing. Maybe you've heard of smokeless nicotine products, but aren't familiar with the options. Meet Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Zen is a satisfying tobacco alternative that puts you in control of your nicotine experience. Which means Zen pairs well with you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zinn. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Since we started our investigation, I haven't had any more direct contact with the detective Bruce Maxwell. 
That meeting we had was in December 2021. This episode comes out April 2022. And Laurie just called me with updates from Bruce's investigation. And when Laurie told me about what's been going on, I was shocked. I called up Mike and Gabby to give them the latest updates. So, Catherine, can you give us some updates about, like, what's going on with Bruce? Yeah. Well, you remember when we saw Bruce a few weeks ago, and he said that he hadn't even really started looking at Ebby's case. He'd only had it for a few weeks. Well, since then, there's been a lot of back and forth between Bruce and Lori. Lori says Bruce told her that the timeline was completely wrong, that all this time for six and a half years, the police thought they knew where Ebby was on Saturday night. And you remember, they, they've been telling us this whole time that she was safe and with friends and they, they had that time accounted for and that the only time they didn't know where she was was on Sunday, shortly around the time before she went missing. But now Bruce is saying that he's seen some pictures on Ebby's phone that he says have never been looked at. Um, he says the timeline is off by a whole day, that in fact police don't know where she was on Saturday night. And she sent an Instagram message from her grandparents. She was DMing on Saturday afternoon. And after that, they have no idea where she was until the phone call with Trevor. That's huge. But then uh, it got a little weird because at that point, I really expected Bruce to say, okay, we have the timeline wrong. We're now going to go re-interview everyone. We're going to start from scratch. But instead, what happened was shortly after that, he told Laurie that the only conclusion he could come to was that... Ebby had crawled down in the drain pipe herself, either because she was having some sort of suicidal thoughts or because she just crawled down there and got stuck. And that is his conclusion. He said also that there is no more work to be done on her case file, but he won't close the case officially. Well, when you close the case, then that opens the door to look at all of this information. It's the worst possible outcome for the family because what it means is they won't officially close it. They're keeping it officially an open and active investigation. I'm using air quotes now, which means that no one can look at it. It's all confidential, but it's just sitting there collecting dust. So that's a terrible outcome for her family. Laurie tells me she's devastated. She feels like six and a half years later, she's back at square one. How can they be closing the case file, especially if they have so much data they need to review and to redo the entire timeline? I've said before in past seasons that while it can be frustrating to have zero access to the case files, the positive side of that is the fact that we know that everything we do have, we've verified ourselves. But I keep feeling like with Ebby's case, we're missing something. It feels like the scene at the end of the movie, The Usual Suspects, after the detective has been listening to Kevin Spacey talk for hours, he steps back from that court board and realizes he was being misled from the very beginning. It feels like the pieces are all here, but we just can't quite put them together in the right order yet. So I go back again to the very beginning of the case. What did we know then? We had heard the media narrative about Friday night, which we now know was wrong, because there weren't four guys who would have had a motive to do Abby harm. There was one person who Abby was having a dispute with. What about the crime scene? We've always heard that the security guard was the first person who reported Ebby's car to the police and that he called the police on multiple days. But there seems to be some confusion about this. The neighbor, Lee, said she told the security guard about the car after noticing it in the parking lot for several days in a row. 
He told her, Monty, and others that he had called the police several times about that car. I've done several Freedom of Information requests with the Little Rock Police. Not surprisingly, they tell me the case is an open investigation and that they can't release any information. Then I get an email from the LRPD. And when I open it, I am stunned. They were able to release the original incident report that relates to Abby's abandoned car. This was before it became an official missing persons case. The incident report is from Friday, October 30th, five days after Abby went missing. The person who's listing as reported Abby's abandoned car is Lee, the neighbor, not the security guard. Why would he tell people that he reported the car missing if he didn't? Why isn't he all over this incident report? Part of our investigation is figuring out Ebby's pattern of life, to the best of our ability, trying to figure out where she was every hour over the weekend until Sunday when she dropped off the radar. But we also need to look at the people who were around her and around Chalamont Park and figure out their patterns of life. Because the evidence points to the person who put Ebby in that drain pipe being someone who knows this area intimately. And besides the incident report, the security guard has given even more conflicting information. And we need to figure out why his stories don't match. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone. Helen Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and hosted by me, Katherine Townsend, and produced by Gabby Watts and Michael Dowd. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Virginia Prescott. Mix and Master is by Ryan Peoples, and our music is by Ben Salee. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Ebby Stepik, you can call our tip line at 678-632-6159. School of Humans. School of Humans. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.